0: There are some ideas that do not get better with time. Hello friends, welcome, and thanks for listening. In this episode, I wanted to share with you some thoughts from Proverbs chapter 22, verse 28. It says, Do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set. G.K. Chesterton, in his book Orthodoxy, which was written in 1908, He wrote this, he said, The whole secret of mysticism is this, that a man can understand everything by the help of what he does not understand. The morbid logician, the one just using logic, seeks to make everything lucid and succeeds in making everything mysterious. The mystic allows one thing to be mysterious, and everything else becomes lucid. As we walk this path of merry abandonment, one believer called it of happy surrender of joyful living under the reign of Jesus there are always going to be people who oppose it in philippians 3:18 paul wrote for many of whom i have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of christ their end is destruction their god is their belly and they glory in their shame with mind set on earthly things. So Paul said that he, he wept for these people who walked as enemies of the cross of Christ. And as we walk this path, there's certainly multiple, many plentiful enemies of the cross. And our calling is to love them, and to pray for them, and to serve them, and to speak truth in love, and to reach out to them with the same kind of love that Christ reached out to us with. That we live by the law of Christ, which is loving others as Christ loved us, that Christ loved his enemies, he laid his life down for them while we were still enemies, God sent his son for us, and so God is kind to the wicked, he's kind to the ungrateful. And likewise, we're to be kind to our enemies, we're to love our enemies, and we're to serve them, and to to bless them, and to try and love them into the reign of Jesus to, to help them see how wonderful it is to live with Jesus reigning over your life. Uh, yet there are some people who will never arrive at that conclusion, as heartbreaking as that is. There are people that uh, Romans 1 describes that what is can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them, uh, because people know on the inside that there is a creator. It's impossible to look at the universe and not recognize the eternal power and the divine nature of the creator as it's revealed in the creation of the world. But it says, although they had that internal witness, they don't honor God, they don't give thanks to him, but they become futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts are darkened. And claiming to be wise, they become fools and they exchange the glory of God for images and uh, for their own lust, and God gives them up. God, uh, frighteningly, God gives them over to the very thing that they desire. It says that God gives them up to dishonorable passions. Uh, and so that is a heartbreaking that people would resist and refuse the goodness of God. And ultimately, their desire to be free from God's reign and to be free from his presence is fulfilled in the lake of fire, that uh, the lake of fire is the fulfillment of the desire to be free of God's presence, to not have God reign over you. God is the source of life, and so if you reject God, all that's left is eternal death and separation, and uh, that's tragic, but it is true. Let me return to G.K. Chesterton again. He wrote, far as religion is gone, reason is going. For they are both of the same primary and authoritative kind. They are both methods of proof which cannot themselves be proved. Or as Alistair McGrath said, whatever our most cherished beliefs are, they are going to lie beyond proof. So ultimately, everyone builds their life on a foundation of faith. Both the atheist and the theist choose to base their lives on a set of beliefs, either Uh, for billions and billions of years there was nothing and somehow nothing turned into something and that became everything that we see and experience today or that um, there was a creator who exists outside of this time space realm that we experience and he spoke everything that we see and experience into being and those are kind of the two major worldviews that we have to choose from and of course, if you accept that Jesus Christ is God's son and you're living under his reign, allowing his spirit to direct your life moment to moment, day to day, you embrace the latter. And I believe that is the path of peace and joy. Like Romans says in uh, Romans 4:17, it says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And in Romans 15, 13, he says, may the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And so walking under the reign of Jesus, you experience this joy and this peace that comes in being reconciled to God and being in relationship with God and becoming the vessel of his dominion on the earth, that your life becomes useful in the kingdom of God to administrate the loving dominion of the the creator who made everything. Now, I think this also speaks to why people might possibly reject the existence of a creator, because it would immediately imply that the creator has some kind of right over his creation, which in fact he does. That's what I was just talking about, his dominion. So if people want to reject the dominion of the creator, uh, it certainly makes sense that they would want to reject the creator altogether. And that's what Romans chapter 1 is talking about. And so rejecting the creator is kind of the mothership of all bad ideas. They kind of flow from this one idea that says there is no God who should reign over us, or if there is, he should reign over us in a manner that I prescribe not in a manner that he prescribes. And so that's what's described when it's talking about the futility of the mind and the darkening of the heart, that people come up with these new standards um, that are made up according to their own passions and their own desires. It's not really uh, relativity literally in the sense where they accept that any uh, standard is okay, but it is a sliding standard that can change as they see fit. And who knows how many times the Lord has had to watch this uh, play out in human history, perhaps every generation. But we've certainly seen it in technicolor, literally, in the American experiment where we kind of started with the uh, acceptance of divorce and the acceptance of adultery and fornication and the sexual revolution and the acceptance of homosexuality and the acceptance of abortion on demand and kind of these deluge of sexual behaviors that at one time, certainly you know, two or three generations ago, the things that fill our newspapers today would have been considered obscene and disgusting and gross, and now we're told that we should accept them and that to not accept them is to be a bad person, to be a mean person, to be Uh, unloving, to be full of hate because you think that these behaviors are not appropriate, are not good, are not acceptable. And so I just want to record this podcast, perhaps for my children, perhaps for my grandchildren or my great-grandchildren, just to remind us that there are some ideas that do not get better with time, okay? Adultery is always bad over the thousands of years of human Existence and human evolution and progress, adultery has not become better. It still brings pain and brokenness wherever it happens. It still ruins lives and destroys families and um, just brings a lot of suffering into the life of everyone who is touched by it. Uh, Likewise, homosexuality is disgusting, it's repulsive. It's wicked. It's wrong. Pedophilia is wicked. It's evil. It's wrong. Bestiality is repulsive. It's disgusting. It's wicked. Gender dysphoria or the desire for a woman to want to be a man or a man to want to be a woman is not healthy. It should be addressed with love and with compassion, but it shouldn't be affirmed as a healthy lifestyle. It brings pain. It brings brokenness. It brings suffering. Murderers, rapists, and child molesters should be executed. These behaviors are wrong. They're wicked. They're evil. And the government should not tolerate them in society. Now, because I'm talking about the death penalty for murderers, rapists, and pedophiles, I do not believe there should be any government laws against homosexuality, adultery, sexual behaviors between consenting adults. I believe people should be free to do what they want with their bodies. I mean, God gave us that freedom. I believe people should have that right to exercise sovereignty over their own bodies. The difference in those behaviors is that an unwilling party is being harmed. So where it's consenting adults, even though it's repulsive, it's disgusting, it's gross, I don't believe there should be laws against it. I believe people should just be free, that the government exists to preserve the rights given to us by God, and God gave us rights over our sovereign bodies to do what we want. Now, of course, we should want to honor God with our bodies, but we should also be free to choose not to honor God with our bodies. So I just wanted to make that distinction between homosexuals, adulterers, and murders and rapists and child molesters. Now, some people might think that I'm being melodramatic or I'm I'm being ridiculous conflating those two groups of people, but given the direction that the society is drifting, I personally don't think so. Now, this mothership of bad ideas of rejecting the god of the Bible and making up your own morality as you go is downloading this motherload of bad ideas and it's being actively promoted and pushed in our society to cause us to accept these deviant disgusting evil wicked repulsive behaviors and right now some of you are judging me and thinking it's wrong for you to judge like that so it's okay for you to judge me for judging those behaviors but some for some reason it's wrong for me to judge those behaviors in second corinthians 2 15 it says the spiritual person judges all things but is himself to be judged by no one so this idea that we should never judge anything is completely false it says that the spiritual person judges all things. So, the person who is spiritual is the person who has been born again, that their spirit has been made alive by the Holy Spirit coming into them, and their spirit has been joined with Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 17. So, that person is not to be judged by anyone. So, That person can judge all things, but he himself is to be judged by no one. So we can see, just in this one verse, the spiritual person judges all things. So let's say that there are two spiritual people. Well, that means those two spiritual people can judge all things, but they're not going to judge each other. What's my point? My point is that, of course, going through life, we make judgments. Every moment of every day we're making judgments. Judging is part of being alive. As followers of Jesus Christ, we don't judge people. We don't make a judgment on the state of someone's soul. We don't try and make a judgment about whether or not someone belongs to God. We don't try and make a judgment about somebody's motive. But we can judge behaviors. We can look at principles, we can judge ideas, and we can stand as the righteous voice of God. Peter says, anyone who speaks should speak as one speaking the very words of God. We can let our heart be informed by the Holy Spirit, and we can say, that's a horrible idea. And there's no shortage of horrible ideas in the mainstream society right now. But homosexuality is a horrible idea to promote as a normal healthy lifestyle. Homosexuality is intrinsically evil. Pedophilia is intrinsically evil. Adultery is intrinsically evil. It's going to bring brokenness. It's going to bring pain into the lives of everyone who engages in it. This idea of, of changing your gender is an intrinsically wicked, evil idea. And it's going to bring so much pain into the lives of the people who embrace it. And so I'm not against the people. I'm not judging the people. Every single human being is a sinner and needs salvation. So my point is not that certain sins separate us from God more than other sins. James chapter 2 says, "...for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder." If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So all sin is bad. All sin is evil. All sin is wicked and wrong. So my, my point is not to say these sexual sins are worse than other sins. The problem is when people take an appetite that they have and they say, no, I. I don't want to call this sin anymore. Stop calling this appetite that I have sin. I want to indulge this appetite, and so I don't want you to say that it's wrong for me to indulge this appetite. And that is a horrible idea. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, he says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkard, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So I'm not passing judgment on people. Every person is valuable. Every person bears God's image and has value and is loved by God. And every person, regardless of what kind of behavior they've been involved in, every person can be saved. And no matter how, How holy a life someone has lived. If someone has never engaged in any kind of sexually immoral behavior, that person still needs to be saved. Nobody is so good that they don't need God's grace, and nobody is so bad that God's grace cannot save them. We all are the same before God. We all need God's grace. But these ideas are horrible, and it's important for the church To stand up and say, that's a horrible idea. Let's not do that. That, That's going to bring so much pain and brokenness into people's lives. Let's stop that. We must stand up and bring judgment against these horrible ideas, not against the people, but against these horrible, horrible ideas. And these ideas are not going to get better with time. This is not a thing where, oh, given a few more hundred years of human evolution and homosexuality is just going to seem normal. No, homosexuality is always going to be repulsive and disgusting and intrinsically disordered. Now, that does not mean that the person who wrestles with same-sex attraction is inherently disgusting and repulsive. And as offensive as that homosexual lust is to me, my heterosexual lust is likewise offensive to God. So I'm not suggesting that we reject those people But again, these ideas are not going to improve with time. And in some ways, that can be a comfort to those who are still embracing the tried and true principles of Scripture that have been proved over millennia as a way to live your life in harmony with God, in harmony with creation, and in harmony with other people. That these ideas have been bad throughout human history and they're not going to improve. They're not going to get better with time. So this is not a case of give it a few hundred years and eventually these behaviors will be accepted as normal. There's just no way that's ever gonna happen because people naturally, intrinsically know that's not good, that's not normal. Adultery is not right. It's never going to become acceptable just given a few more hundred years of human evolution or a few more thousand years of human evolution. It's never going to happen. Uh, I had a record producer who who he believed he thought that human uh, humankind was evolving to where we eventually wouldn't wear clothes. And I said, that's never going to happen. And he said, why not? And I said, because when Adam and Eve took of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, They saw their nakedness and they were ashamed. There comes a point when a a child grows up and is no longer comfortable running naked through the living room. And it's an intrinsic proof that there's something in our heart that has knowledge of God and there's something in us that knows innately that we have offended him. And praise God, he made the provision to forgive all of our offenses through his son Jesus by Jesus coming and dying on the cross for us and raising, being resurrected back to life so that we could enter into the kingdom of God so that we could become a part of his church, his chosen people, and we could administrate his dominion on the earth now and for all eternity. But I just had this burden in my heart, you know, maybe it's being, being back in America after being gone for seven, eight years and I'm kind of amazed at really how much has changed in the short time that we lived overseas but i just felt like you know what it's worth pointing out that these new standards again it's not it's not total relativism it's actually this new morality that is kind of evolving according to people's appetites and according to the level of perversion that people are willing to accept and i just think it's worthwhile to take a minute and to say these are really bad ideas, and they're not going to improve with time. They're not going to become more acceptable as time goes on. This, These kind of sexually immoral behaviors bring so much pain and so much brokenness into people's lives to uh, say that somehow now, after X thousand years of human presence on the planet, that now we think, oh, well... This is just God making people this way, and so we should just go with it. That is a horrible idea that is not going to bear good fruit in this life or in the life to come, and if we're going to accept it for the homosexual, then why not accept it for the pedophile? Why not accept it for the rapist? Why not accept it for the murderer? Just, oh, that's how God made you. You just God made you with a bad temper. You just can't control it. You get mad, and you, you hurt people. That's just how God made you. God shouldn't have made you that way. Uh, It's such a bad idea. It removes agency from people, and if you take away people's agency, you take away their ability and their right to love. And In contrast, when we embrace agency, when we recognize, you know what? I am a broken human being, and I've got these illegitimate desires that are wrong, that are sinful. When we embrace that, when we acknowledge it, and we confess it to God... We can be cleansed of our sins. We can be healed and we can be set free. 1 John 1 famously says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God. You know, whatever disgusting, repulsive, broken, perverse desires we are born with. We don't have to accept them as our final state. We can confess our sins, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, and he gives us the righteousness of Jesus as a gift for free. That is awesome. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus said, "...the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives." and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Thank God he sent Jesus to set us free from our sin, to set us free from the oppression of our own appetites. He opens our eyes, he gives sight to the blind. Before we meet Christ, we are like a blind person in the dark don't know our left from our right, groping around, cannot make out which way is which, but Christ gives us sight. Christ opens our eyes. Praise God for that. In Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 10, Paul writes, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And I just want to expose some of these ideas, especially as they're trying to be passed off to children and young people as normal, as, you know, good, even as exciting or a brave choice or a courageous way to live, as, as a meaningful way to live out your life. And it's just lies, it's total lies, and they must be exposed. We have to call these things out as the wickedness that they are. The church is called a bulwark of truth, the, the a pillar and a buttress of truth in 1 Timothy 3.15. The church is the hope of the world because we protect, we guard the sacred oracles of God and of Jesus Christ. And it's critical that we stand and expose bad ideas because they're not going to get better with time. So I thank God for the great mercy that he has shown me while I was a sinner. God still loved me, that I didn't deserve anything but to die and to go to hell and to be separated from God and experience death for all eternity. But God in his great mercy showed me kindness, forgave my sin, gave me grace. And so it's because God has shown me so much grace, I want to hold out that same grace, that same kindness of God, that same love of God, that he extends it to all people. And I want to extend the grace of God to every single human being on planet earth, while at the same time saying, these ideas, these behaviors are bad. These ideas, these behaviors are wicked. These will bring pain and brokenness into your life. So I really appreciate you listening. May God give you courage and boldness to speak out the truth, to call out a bad idea when you hear it, to not just go with the flow, to not just go along with society that's trying to force these ideas on us and on our children and on the society as as a whole, uh, but to stand up for the truth and to love people, to stand up with, with joy and with uh, love in our hearts for those people who hate us, for those people who hate the cross, for those people who hate Christians, that we have nothing in our hearts but love and forgiveness and mercy toward those people. And at the same time, we love them so much that we will not allow a horrible idea to be called a good idea. We will not allow an idea that brings pain and brokenness into people's lives to be portrayed as something positive. God bless you. May the Lord give you courage. May the Lord give you love for every single person you encounter.